welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. Oh, I'm Karen. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. I didn't know who was going to speak first. We were both being really polite. I'm Aoife. <laughs> awesome. We're getting slightly better at this every week. I think by that episode 100, we might be borderline competent. You're mm. very optimistic. <laughs> Let's not overpromise. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm managing expectations here. Um, this week, we are discussing Babysitter's Club number three, The Truth About Stacy, which is that she has diabetes. Because that is that that is the Stacy fact. That is the one fact about Stacy. No, she's also from New York. Yeah, You're that's right. true. I'm sorry, I missed like half of her entire personality. I'm good at math. That's three things. Just oh, three I things. forget about that one actually. God, yeah, she's the so math. complex. I think the good at math thing was literally shoved in there so Anna and Martin had a reason to make her treasurer in the first book. Definitely. It doesn't come up very often. No. The doctor helped her out with the information in it, which is very I nice. I read that in the preface and I was like, good on you, Anna Martin, doing your... Like, before you could just go on Twitter and be like, hey, doctors, what are the symptoms when a 12-year-old girl has diabetes or whatever? Like, DM me. <laughs> um, yeah, she had to go out and find a doctor to tell her this info, so fair play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed. She did her due diligence. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, really interesting stuff in this book that um, is... Uh, so, if you think about the, the feminist life skills that we have learned in the previous episodes, right? Um, so, we know how to set up a small business. Um, we know how to call the emergency services from the last time when you think that you're being stalked by a phantom or a prowler or something like that. Um, and in this one, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, that's sort of dealt with. And some of it's kind of quite relevant now. Um, yes, I'm surprised by how timely this was. Like, it really feels like a sort of primer on what to do if your parents turn into anti-vaxxers. I was exactly thinking of that. Um, and like, that's a really actually serious situation that um teenagers could find themselves in where you you are at odds with your parents over your own medical treatment um and you don't technically have any rights in that scenario when they want to take you to a fucking faith healer um, to <laughs> deal with your real faith medical faith healer. he was <laughs> just, just a scam artist <laughs> yeah he was just a fucking quack um yes. yeah i mean i like that like you know, it kind of, it makes it clear she's not in any danger from this guy, but he is mm. going to rip her parents off for a vast amount of money and yep. still and isn't going to cure diabetes because you can't cure it. So And and she's like, it's, I'm managing it. I'm doing fine here. And she you is know? And like it's... genuinely doing really well. Like from the one thing I took from this book is, man, Stacey is a really responsible 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's way like, more like mature about this than her parents. Like her parents are just spiraling, and yeah. she's actually yep. like she's being really sensible and calm and appropriate. They're still stuck in the denial stage, yes, yes. and she's gone all the way to acceptance. She's like, I want to get on with my life, and I don't want anyone to make me move schools again. Yeah, and yes. that's what's going to happen. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you keep sending me to this quack, she's honestly like, especially so she's having to deal with. She's been sick. She's lost all her friends. She's moved cities. Mm-hmm. She's had to cope with having this life-changing illness, which, like, you're 11, 12, you're not having sweets anymore is actually pretty dramatic. Like, now I'm 37, I might be like, thank you for saving me from myself, I guess. But, you know, like, 11, 12, like, man, until I was 16, I was making towers out of as many chocolate chip cookies layered up with Nutella as I could, you know? (laughs) Oh, that sounds great. It was amazing. Oh, <laughs> God. God. Um, but, like, 
Yeah, like it's a big impact on your life. And she's accepted this. She's dealt with it. She's managing it. She's watching what she eats. She's giving herself insulin. Like she's handling this so well. And Mm -hmm. she's having to deal with her parents putting her through this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, go on, Stacey. I had actually forgotten. I don't think I appreciated when I read this as a kid. Like what Stacey was really going through. And having read this now as an adult, I probably have more time for her than any of the other babysitters club kids so far i'm like no kid you're doing okay yeah i'm well impressed with her like she's very grown up and she's got a separate problem entirely to the whole diabetes which is yeah the whole having to then manage her parents emotions over the whole thing which is just a bollocks when you're a kid whatever it's related to like um and her so her her whole um uh you know, approach to dealing with the whole thing is actually really interesting. And it sort of hinges on, I suppose, the fact that she um, she has some quite good connections. <laughs> um, so this isn't necessarily a primer that's sort of, it's open to anybody who is like trying to, for example, get themselves vaccinated against their parents' wishes or whatever. But it's still really interesting sort of exploration of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so she, she, um, she gets a, a grown-up ally on side which is, um, I think, something quite that you see in um, discussions of how to help kids through bullying yeah. as well. Um, now is like just try and, uh, you know, get that support from some some sort of trusted adult. The thing about that is for whatever about the step by step isn't always going to work out exactly in real life. You know, you can't get you don't always happen to know a doctor who you just happen to know who is going to be able to refer you to an eminent childhood pediatrician endocrinologist <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who happens to be in the city you're in and squeezes you in because this doctor knows them. You know, um, that's not going to happen. That's obviously implausible. Nice in a book, but implausible. But just that thing of your doctor, doctors are going to listen to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was really the take home in this book was trusted adults will listen to mm-hmm. you. Which, yeah. like, so much kid lit is all like like Harry Potter and, like, don't trust the grown-ups and we can't oh, yeah. trust anyone. We've got, <laughs> admittedly, Harry's got his own trauma, which explains why he doesn't tell adults anything. But, you know, like, we don't tell adults yeah, anything. Yeah. We do this on our own. The adults that we know are baddies or, for convolution mm-hmm. plot reasons, The hero's journey! Them. Exactly, this hero's <laughs> journey. But you're 11. Stop it. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> this is just the opposite. This is just when you have big problems... They actually do listen to you. You can tell adults and they'll listen. Sometimes it feels like your parents aren't listening to you when you try to tell them, but other adults might and you will be able to make yourself understood. And I mean, I guess, yeah, in in real life, you, you might not be lucky enough to have adults that will listen to you but you should probably try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows you what to aim for, like yeah. what to look for. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if the book says, oh, you know what, you've just got to suffer this. Your parents are going to drag you to whatever quack doctors they want and you're just going to have to cope with it. It's going to be awful forever. And vaccines are bad. Yeah, like 5G. <laughs> both sides, both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, so in case you haven't noticed, we have opinions on the whole vaccine, vaccinate your kids versus anti-vax movement. And that is... We have facts, well, Eva. Why in the name facts. of God wouldn't you vaccinate your kids? <laughs> it's proven to prevent them getting uh, terrible diseases. Yeah, I think we're coming out as like a pro-Western medicine podcast. Pro-Western medicine <laughs> podcast. I think that's broadly speaking, yeah, accurate. I'm, I'm up with that. I'm up for that. Yeah. It's our first editorial stance. <laughs> it's great to also have all this like uh, free money from the pharmaceutical companies. So oh, thanks yeah. for hooking us up with the sponsorship deal, Esther. Whoops, sorry, I wasn't meant to mention any oh, of that no, stuff. Oh no, we've revealed it all. They'll be onto us now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have our piles of money to sleep on. It's so true. It's, fine. it's, it's, it's yeah. cold comfort, but it's some comfort. <laughs> it makes up for a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should actually like summarize the the plot. I guess. Like. Oh yeah. Well, there's there are two two major plot lines, and That's one true. of them is this is like the most dramatic book of 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 all the ones yeah. so far. It's super dramatic. There's just a lot going on right this, now. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> bears out Aoife's theory that these girls just fucking love the drama. Like they're oh, really yes. really leaning into the drama here. <laughs> Um, yeah so there's 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 this whole like uh take control of your your medical situation uh and um that's a really uh important empowering message but there is also um this side plot about um how to take down the competition in the small business that you have set up two books previously like how to do corporate espionage (laughs) it's amazing i know but more it's more like you know and but it's it's shown from the losing side of having corporate espionage done to them. Oh well, also oh, no, yeah. they had sabotage done oh, to God. them. They tried espionage. The other team escalated to sabotage. Yeah, the other team were better at it. They fought dirty. Anyway, yeah, we will we will just run through the plot um, in case <laughs> That's probably anyone, good idea. any of our listeners didn't do the assigned reading. <laughs> Flashback to fuck you guys. College tutorials suddenly. <laughs> Yes, so, so this is a Stacy POV. So she she gives us literally on the first page. She starts doing the obligatory rundown of who's in the Babysitters Club and how it happened and everything, with the added like, also I'm from New York and let me tell you how much better New York was than Stony Brook. Also, I'm pretty sure her family were like millionaires because she mentions living on the Upper West Side, yes, overlooking mm. Central Park and going to private school, and like that's gossip girl territory. I know it was the '80s, but even in the '80s, that mm. was not within the reach for most people. <laughs> yeah, that is that is not normal, and like it's not really made a thing, but like that's that's an expensive lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, I guess that also explains why Stacey's parents could afford to drag her to all these doctors, because, like, that's probably not true. I do have a note on one of the things going, this really does ignore the whole American healthcare system, (laughs) doesn't it? Oh, we're having another political stance, I see. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So, yes, I suppose in the recap, uh, Stacey, in this particular plot line, um, finds out that her parents are hoping to take her to this particular doctor who, as we've established, is um, is not well regarded by the many other doctors she consults on the subject um, because he's claiming that he can cure diabetes. <laughs> yeah, they're all because they're in the pocket of big pharma, Karen. Well, I mean, obviously, yes, but yeah. <laughs> so one of them is the mother of her uh, favorite babysitting charge, uh, Charlotte Johansson, um, and it's uh, Dr. Johansson who is the um, the uh, very empowering, the breadwinner in that particular family. While Mr. Johansson is winds up um, minding Charlotte a lot of the time, by the sounds of it, which is yep, Mr. pretty Johansson modern. Is um, in the book very often. That's true. They send her to the babysitter a lot as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mr. Johansson just barely exists. Mrs. Johansson is just a legend, and yeah. <laughs> that's Doctor Johansson, Johansson to you. Sorry, yes. did I say Mrs. Johansson? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's quite a few husbands like this who are sort of ghosts in their own homes, like Mr. Prezioso <laughs> later on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my Steam God, Prezioso! I had forgotten, <laughs> forgotten about, about her. them. She, we get her in the next book. She, like, there's oh, going to yeah. be drama yes. about the Prezioso. It's the Marianne book. Yes. yes. So anyway, yes, she, uh, her parents 
land her in this whole uh, thing where like, oh yeah, we're going to New York and we're going to take you to this doctor and he's maybe going to cure your diabetes because we just want what's best for you, Stacey. And she's like, no, my diabetes isn't going anywhere. I'm fine. I don't want to go to New York. I want to stay here. Um, I want to like try and rebuild my social life from the ground up, which you made me do. And they're like, uh, shut up. <laughs> You're going to New York. We love you. And you don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, so she consults with Dr. Johansson when she's babysitting for Charlotte. And um, th- uh, Dr. Johansson's like, actually, yeah, I, I think your parents are kind of onto a losing one with this particular doctor because he's just a showman. Um, and yeah, they're, they're not going to cure your diabetes, obviously. So she gets her a referral to a pediatrician in New York who um, Stacy is kind of nervous about asking her parents to go and see. So she waits till like half an hour before the appointment then is like, oh yeah, we need to get across town. <laughs> it's so stressful. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this could this could just have not worked out. Like, why did you go to but all this effort, Stacy? It was helpful because by then, <laughs> Stacy's parents, she'd spent the day doing random bullshit, like Rorschach tests and stuff at the, yes. uh, Rorschach tests at the, at the, at the PAX office. Um, yeah. And she, uh, her parents had been, had spoken to the quack enough that they, uh, they were, were like, like mm. oh, this is, this is kind of a scam. So they were primed to be like, okay, fine, I guess let's bring you to this. I'm assuming from the description, he's not just a pediatrician, but specifically an endocrinologist. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then Anya, she goes to see this endocrinologist at the last minute, mm-hmm. which is sweet. Connections, yo. Connections. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back in one second, I have got to take sweet potatoes out of the oven. Deal with the sweet potatoes. All right. <laughs> sweet potato management <laughs> break. Yes. <laughs> the first of many, I'm sure. <laughs> Like all the cool podcasts. <laughs> I think this is where we talk about our sponsors, who are obviously multi-billion drug companies. <laughs> We've just spent so much time already talking about the pharmaceutical industry, Esther. I know, I know. <laughs> but seriously, have you thought about antidepressants? <laughs> so maybe, I suppose, now that Aoife is done with her sweet potatoes, I'm we not, should you know, get back, back in the, the oven. Uh... I've got to set a new timer, but yeah. <laughs> okay. This shit is not cooked. I was right. <laughs> it is the first of many sweet potato hiatuses. It's fine, it's fine. Fifteen more minutes, be fine. I'm assuming you tell if they're cooked the same way with regular potatoes. You stab them and see if they're squishy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. not squishy. It's fine. Fifteen minutes. Okay. So yes, Stacy, despite her deplorable attitude to like time management, announces that they have to run across town to get to this urgent appointment with a competent doctor, and mm-hmm. the competent doctor is actually like a complete delight and tells them mm. that like yes diabetes is in fact incurable but also Stacy's managing it really well and everything is totally fine and her parents can relax and like yeah it's a really nice resolution i think her parents are like really easily swayed by media stuff because they're like oh i've read his name somewhere i believe him now and and and, and he's telling them the Your same thing on the tv stacy's <laughs> own two doctors have been saying her one in new york and her one in stony brook have been saying for months which is stacy's fine she's managing her diabetes really well there's no you know we're, this is best case scenario it's all going great and we'll keep an eye on it if yeah. it goes back and then like yeah, as they're in the doctor, as, as she's telling them about this, they're like, ooh, I think I've heard of him. And it's like, please don't base your opinion on the medical professional on his level of fame. Dr. Phil exists. <laughs> yes. So you're at some point in the preceding paragraph or two, I just like 
my mental image of Stacy's mother just shifted into being the um, the incredibly rich employer from Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, the blonde lady who spends like $27 million on a carpet at one point or <laughs> because she has to keep up appearances, even though it's her last $27 million. <laughs> yeah. And now, so, sorry, that's, yeah. that's her now. That's in my head. I, no, I, I just... Yep. It's canon, sorry. I think that's kind of <laughs> legit. I mean, they kind of uprooted their entire life to this, like, crappy small town in Connecticut <laughs> from living in an apartment facing Central Park in the Upper West Side. So maybe she did spend her last $27 million on something. I mean, they obviously had <laughs> the second money. Yeah, and what are they doing? They're not even living in, like, Watson's posh neighbourhood. They're just living in the normal neighbourhood Yeah, now. why aren't they living in Watson's posh neighbourhood? What the fuck? Did, did Stacey's dad take a massive pay cut to move to the Connecticut office because they didn't have any employees at his level there? I don't that know. sounds pretty likely, actually. Yeah. Or they just um, blew all their money on homeopathy. And- <laughs> entirely likely. Yeah. I'm not sure Anna Martin's super good on class stuff, other than Watson is rich. Everyone else mm. is just sort of generically comfortably middle class. I mean, there's the thing where Mallory's yeah. dad loses his job, but they never get to a stage where he's run out of his uh, redundancy pay- payout. So yeah, the other kids in the school though are giving Mallory stick about. Like, oh, Mallory's um, going to be on welfare, but like yeah, no, I remember that. No characters yeah. in the books are on welfare. Are poor? No. Yeah, Nobody's there's nobody poor. who's poor. I I remember um. When I watched um, the Gilmore Girls first, I was like, oh, this is what, this is the town that Stony Brook is supposed to be like. Oh. This is the first time I've actually seen it represented, where it's just like, it's so picturesque and so white. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I knew America wasn't like that, you know? <laughs> There's a whole Bill Bryson book where he drives around America trying to find that town and it doesn't exist. And then eventually he seemed to find it when he went to Australia. But that's another thing. I mean, I think Stony Brook is a town that follows in the tradition in a way of because I was thinking this as I was reading that book and just thinking oh yeah Claire and Margot they were mentioned in a side comment oh they're they haven't turned five and seven yet they're four and six still like there were people I knew and I was just thinking about the cast of characters and how big it was and how like familiar they all are to me and I'm like oh I can't wait till Jackie Radowski and his two brothers move to town and stuff and I'm like this is the thing it reminds me of is Avonlea. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. it reminds me of 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 yeah, it reminds me of that kind of level of um, look. We all just know these people. All these people mm-hmm. know each other. We know who they are. Not like she doesn't have that biting sort of social awareness of what small towns are fucking like in the way that uh, Ellen Montgomery obviously does. Um, but then again, she's writing 12-year-old perspectives. Mind you, like Anne would have noticed. But, um, or inappropriately remarked on it, even if she hadn't really known what it was about. Um, yes. But, you know, it, it kind of was that same comforting, okay, we're back in this small town and everyone knows each other. And I kind of like that. And I grew up in a small town and I did not know everyone and everyone did not know me. I grew up in Hong Kong and uh, everybody did not know each other or <laughs> <Don't> me. Don't say! <laughs> but I was in a, um, a weird little estate where we did actually mostly, most of the people knew each other. It wasn't quite village-sized, but um, certainly the kids tended to, to know each other, whatever. And several years later, I remember... Um, 
my mom, I think having had quite a lot of wine and being like, God, though, but everybody we knew in Hong Kong was weird. Um, is the kind of, you know, expat community, this being a problematic term, I recognize. Um, <laughs> immigrants. But like, uh, <laughs> yes, all of, literally, yeah, all of us immigrants. Um, it was, there was a lot of people um from overseas living in the the estate and I and uh, I was like they're all weird I was like yeah but what about this person and she'd tell me some outlandish story and I was like oh and what about this other person do you remember that time when like right uh, okay okay right like okay so they I were like they were all and I was like so but we were totally normal then <laughs> actually though <laughs> probably we weren't <laughs> that was, yeah um, presumably other people have weird stories involving us that god maybe things i don't even remember um, yeah right now in hong kong someone is reminiscing about how weird you guys were what time is it in hong it's... kong uh... hang on hang on hey siri what time is it in hong kong <laughs> in argos greece it's 05 i didn't say argos. <laughs> hey siri <laughs> yes what time is it in hong kong <laughs> In Hong Kong, I say, or China, it's 5.05. There you go. Okay. It's 5am. They're probably not. <laughs> They're having some really weird dreams. <laughs> I just woke up in a cold sweat remembering that family that used to live here. <laughs> I love that it, Siri, does, Siri doesn't understand you, Aoife. She... <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Oh man, this is a digression. Anyway, so we've talked about Stacey's diabetes, but the other main plot thread of this episode, the mind-blowing, the extremely exciting, the uh, massively capitalist plot thread is the rival babysitting yes, group. The thrilling corporate entry. It's the babysitters, what do they call the other one? Agency. Agency, <laughs> which is set up by two girls who are a, a whole year older than our crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, let's ignore the fact that they're about to be a year older in the books for the next 20 years. But, you know, <laughs> all a year older than our crew. And they are set up their own babysitters. They get high schoolers to babysit for them. But their quality control is apparently terrible. So they've got sneaky business practices like undercutting them and doing flyers up. Which obviously could not possibly have been their idea had the babysitters club not done it first mm-hmm. etc only christy can come up with the idea of flyers <laughs> i would also like to like to just interject here how we know from the start that these girls are bad news mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um claudia mm. who's hilariously judgy about these girls um says for one thing i wouldn't trust them farther than i could throw a truck they have smart mouths they sass the teachers they hate school they hang around at the mall you know that kind of that kid. kind of kid i noted this down as well Bad that's kids. that's a... <laughs> um, is like it doesn't mean they're not good babysitters and claudia's like i'd be surprised if they were like mm. the mall everyone goes to the mall get over yourself also stacy goes to the mall yes, she emphasizes in, in the same book that she quite likes the mall i guarantee you claudia is but, buying her matching plaid shirts and hats from the mall sometimes but, but stacy went to the mall with her parents that's mm. true stacy and claudia yeah, don't hang out at the mall they're too busy making kid kits and three books an hour <laughs> oh yes true handcrafts are um handcrafts are good and also a major part uh, of this book yes, yes. Uh, mall shopping exclusive mall shopping and hanging around maybe they're not even shopping it's not the shopping it's the hanging around I think hanging around, hanging around without spending money I mean using up valuable retail space for their 
persons. I grew up in a village. I think what hanging around the mall is, is sitting on walls was what it was <laughs> in my village. Because there was no indoor space that one could hang around in. True. Sitting, Heckling people as they go by. Uh, go by. Yeah, sitting like, on walls wearing Adidas tracksuit bottoms. That was, you know, the height of teenage Going, you're ma, people crossing the road. Generally me. Did you do that? Which? Was that you, Aoife? What? <laughs> Were you the kids that heckled me? Have you? Like, <laughs> not, met me? Do you, do you no, think I true. was even slightly cool enough that the kids who sat on walls <laughs> heckling people would have let me sit with them? <laughs> No, Karen, I so, was, anyway, I was sat inside my on. house watching reruns of Stargate SG-1, okay? <laughs> but that's why uh, you were a competent babysitter. I was a competent babysitter. That's true, yeah. Because you weren't sitting on walls right. or hanging out with the mob. True. So yes, Sweet these potato. bad girls have, have set up and um, even Janine is freaked out. Janine like literally mm. screams when she sees their flyer, which is like, <laughs> it's the only emotion she ever displays. <laughs> Well, okay. So let's talk about the um the the choice of name that they picked. Um and like Janine if she was allowed would probably discuss the uh, the semiotics of the term agency as compared to club. Oh, and yes. you know, club having a sort of a collegial, you know, um <laughs> We're in it for the I'm love of babysitting. Right yes, it's uh, and it's it's appropriate to our age group. We're non-threatening, whereas the agency is like, we know what the agency is. It's the CIA, <laughs> and there's going to be some espionage <laughs> going down in this village. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. This thing goes all the way to the White House. <laughs> they're they're actually just infiltrating like the townspeople's homes to like do uncover oh all their secrets for the CIA. We've we finally figured out the subtext of this novel, like a mere thirty years after the fact. <laughs> yes, that's the whole subtext of all that. Like the fake news, it's coming to your home. It's going to poison your families. These babysitters—they're we, we the figured it all out. Wrong kind of kid. Oh? The babysitters' agency are actually in the CIA. <laughs> I mean, that makes it's, perfect sense. Yeah. I've just the learned term them, like, agency. <laughs> ha 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 they thought they were so clever but no uh yeah i've just discovered that my oven is not actually getting hot and i'm really worried but let's move on and talk about the baby oh, no, club and sure no. it'll be fine I'll, I'll i'll tell rick you could cook your sweet potatoes in the microwave i mean it's, yes. it's getting to a temperature I, I can but like everything else i need to cook though anyway let's move on this is fine okay Mm-hmm. All right, so these CIA agents have moved into Stony Brook, <laughs> uh, masquerading as 14-year-olds, and they're slightly more comp- competent at advertising. So the Babysitter Club have lost their shit. Um, mm-hmm. Christy has decided they're doomed. <laughs> Everyone is just um, despondent. And so they decide to do some some counter espionage on these girls, which is actually pretty clever. Um, Christy calls them up under a fake identity. <laughs> she calls herself Candy Cane, which is delightful to me. <laughs> um, and says they seem that... to buy it as well. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, and she says that she needs a babysitter for her brother because she was supposed to mind him, but she has a hot date with Winston Churchill. <laughs> And they don't know who Winston Churchill is, allegedly. <laughs> Which I think is our second sign that these girls are bad news. <laughs> and the fact that everyone else in the room is like, oh god, they're not going to know who Winston Churchill is, that's fine. <laughs> yes. No way but would they know right. that obscure fact. Also, our third sign that these girls are bad is that they say later instead of goodbye. Yes. 
That's established as a dawn thing further in the yeah, series. Yeah, but that's because she's Californian, though, not because she's bad. So it's it's one rule for dawn and another rule <laughs> for the the homegrown poseur later users. Yes, if you're mm, from the East Coast and you say later, you're obviously some kind of <laughs> no good street punk. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly they are. Well, Look, yes. Yeah, they're so no good. They're the worst. The evidence uh, is mounting up here. <laughs> Um, I actually have a, a little note on the later thing because like later and then Marianne was like later I was like was that <laughs> stunningly new slang in 1986 and then I went and googled it okay so no <laughs> Google put Brooks first result that wasn't just some like the random first result from Google that wasn't just some random website was a Google Books the new partridge dictionary of slang and unconventional English J, J to Z Ooh. 1950s university slang. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> this bears out the theory that these girls are actually middle-aged CIA operatives. <laughs> they all went to college in the 50s. Oh, yes. Yeah, and Marianne's commenting not because it's new, because she's like, how retro are they? What's going on? They're like, you know. They're beatniks. <laughs> I mean, but it's not right. I mean, like, you know, do you remember watching Clueless for the first time? They say later. That's do true. they? They do. Yeah, oh, they so they do. do. Huh. Actually, later? I remember the one time in Dennis my life so that good. someone said later for goodbye to me, and I was about this age. I was sort of twelve-ish. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was happening. I was so confused. I was like, "What? What's later? What do you mean?" And my friend was like, "It means goodbye." <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I did have this actual conversation. Yeah, because that's literally what happens in the book. It's like later she hung up. Later, repeated Marianne. That's how Liz says goodbye. Yeah. Like it needed explanation, but had been slang for 30 years previous. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. yes, these, these these bad girls use 50 slang and they hang out. <laughs> in their twin sets. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so and many notes skirts. for the first and second chapter on this and nothing for anything else. I've highlighted mm. just like vast swathes of like Stacy's reminiscences about her parents nervous breakdowns that's fair mm. uh, I also have a note that says Lane you terrible person JFC because Lane is Stacy's like New York best friend who like ditched her for getting diabetes mm. um, and Lane is trash and I just want to put that out there <laughs> um, I mean I think Lane is also a confused 12 year old but yeah but yeah <laughs> I yeah, I I sort of was like yeah she was she treated Stacy in a really shitty way, but she kind of also then apologized and clarified why. No, and I was she like does, I I, I sort actually. of I do I do believe the whole that it's a believable scenario. Yeah. It's like I was randomly an asshole, um because I'm kind of a, a human, and actually Stacy is very forgiving towards her. Yeah. But that also seems reasonably believable too, where it's like, you know what, we can just move past this. Because also Stacy um, wasn't allowed to tell Lane what was going on, which is really weird because her parents are still like deep Stacey's in the denial parents stage. need a talking to. The, the poor kid, they put, she had diabetes and they put her through so much, like the fact that she was sitting there presenting with the symptoms of diabetes and they were like, let's get her to a psychologist. Not and just any like, psychologist, a fancy New York psychologist. Fancy New York psychologist. Yeah, obviously. Well, they weren't going to, they weren't going to do anything that couldn't be appended with fancy New York. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, and <laughs> that's how they rolled until they moved to Connecticut. But yes. like, I, 
When I was 12, okay, I had spent most of my prepubescent years completely obsessed with medicine and medical books and how the body works and illnesses and like would my parents would like get me out of bed as a four-year-old to watch operations on television (laughs) why were operations on television sometimes you've got medical shows and there's operations being shown and I was like (laughs) totally into that so I get now that when I was 12 and I was like, okay. how could they not know those are the symptoms of diabetes, that not everyone read their mother's copy of Toohey's Medicine for Nurses as a four-year-old. But like, <laughs> I I just, as a 12-year-old, I was like, that's diabetes. That's not anything else. She's got diabetes. Why are you sending mm-hmm. her to us? Like, what are you doing? She's sick. And I was outraged by this. And at 37, I'm like, oh, yeah, nobody knows that. Like, that was just me. Oh, oops. Yeah. I, I mean, it's reasonable would. to think that bedwetting could be a stress thing. Like, that's yeah, yeah, it could be sure. it's about the least bonkers thing that her parents pull in the cell thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why they didn't go to the GP first. Or apparently, as they have in America or possibly just in fancy New York, an individual pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I think that's fairly normal in America. Okay. Oh, is this like how women in America have a gynecologist? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh my goodness, we got off topic again. How unlike us. We're terrible people. Let's move on. <laughs> so yeah, um, Rival Babysitters Club, Babysitters Agency of Older Kids Who Can Stay Out Later Who Are Better at Marketing. Yes. Yep. So mm-hmm. Christy decides that the, the solution to this is to level up. So... She... <laughs> such a crazy decision. I know. They have uh, an emergency meeting, of course. Their regular meeting gets upgraded to an emergency meeting. Yeah, it's the same meeting, though. <laughs> and then subsequently she calls a triple emergency meeting because she has no chill. But she... Yes, that's true. Instead of sprawling on the floor the way she usually did during a meeting, she <gasps> took over Claudia's desk, sitting up very tall in the straight back chair. For another thing, she was wearing a visor and she was holding a clipboard and had stuck a pencil over her ear. My note attached to that bit is, uh, oh, Christy, I love you. <laughs> My note is just ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. Christy is dressing for the job she wants. Factory foreman? <laughs> like, not a specific a... boss figure. But like, presumably a visor has a practical function you know, what's what do you need it for when you're sitting in someone's bedroom? <laughs> to look like a boss. Profesh. I don't know, where did she even get... It was the 80s, so like Wall Street movies and stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would make sense. Those visors. I don't know why the traders wore visors either. No. It was just to be... Because there were tools, I guess. <laughs> to be totes profesh, yes. She is trying to be a Wall Street tool, basically. <laughs> oh, bless her. Okay, yes. And she continues that um, by requiring all the babysitters to do free labor did you spot that bit how this was this was like okay guys we're being undercut um or we're we've got this competition coming up so we're going to do free housework um and all these things and i I really respect i think it's claudia for like saying no no fuck that no we're not we're not going to do any of this bullshit that you're suggesting because we have lives um and like we're providing a quality service, which I think is the other takeaway message from this book, yes. which is that if your work is good enough, you will succeed over the um, the, the cheap knockoff babysitters club that is in your area, which, which is I don't absolutely think not is a, true. But yeah, it's not true. I either, mean, no. yeah. I mean, it turns <laughs> out it's not how Jeff book, Bezos became a trillionaire. <laughs> in this book, it is true. 
And the mm-hmm. consumer is in fact capable of making a decision about which of the options available to them are in fact better. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a book for children, so, you know, we can expect <laughs> that sort of fairy tale thinking. It's an uh, unrealistic. <laughs> Sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalism works out for everyone's benefit. This is fantasy. So, good old fashioned post war, dare I say it, boomer capitalism, where <laughs> you do a day's work for oh, yeah. a day's pay, and eventually. The, co- the competition just goes away because they uh, are involved in child endangerment, which also is another useful thing, life lesson that we've learned about this, which is how to inform the parents when you think their child is being neglected or how to, invo- I suppose, inform the responsible adults. Yes. Um, yep. In the case, uh, which is actually quite serious. Yes. Um, but first we have wacky hijinks. We have Winston Churchill, corporate espionage. And then Christy makes everyone wear sandwich boards to school. Oh my which... god! And they actually do it. Yeah, like, <laughs> because Christy is terrifying. Club. She must be. Like, she I, must I be. would wear a sandwich board if Christy told me to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, she's there at thirty-five, going, "Okay, yeah." Like she's canonically intimidating. I would just shut up and wear the damn thing. Uh, no. I'm pretty sure that though, I would like get a sick note from my mother. I did just say, well, Karen can't wear a sandwich board because her... <laughs> she, she's I can't do activities for her balls fly up my nose. I'd marry Marianne the whole thing and yeah. I, I always like, I'm some mix of Marianne and Christy. I'm definitely more of a tomboy than Marianne but not as bossy as Christy but yeah, I would have I would have just been like, oh, I guess that's what we're doing now, fair enough. Yeah, this is our life now. I mean, I didn't have a sense of shame as a child, and I don't have one now, or personal dignity, so I probably would have done it. I had, like, I had a very pronounced sense of embarrassment over things which are, like, quite inexplicable to me now, that I was like, oh my god, I can't wear that backpack. Jesus, I can't be seen in that? What? What are you talking about? (laughs) When you're a kid or a teenager, though, your peers are honestly that judgy, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's all very well to sit here in your 20s or 30s and sit there and go, mm. oh, wear what you want. Yeah, I would have worn the sandwich that board. doesn't work no. when you're 14. Your peers will eviscerate you for it. But Christy would eviscerate you for not doing it. I know, is Christy scary? I probably would have done it because it was like a specific thing for a specific purpose, not I choose to wear a sandwich board because I think it's cool. There's a difference between I think this is what I'm supposed to wear and there's a circumstance that's forcing me to wear this. And that circumstance's name is Christy. Yeah, Christy Thomas is a scary bitch. Here's a question though. Um, So do the girls um, and this kind of close-knit babysitter's club social identity that they have formed... Um, admittedly, with a lot of healthy terror of Christie involved, but does that outweigh the possibility or the the sort of the fear of judgment by their other peers? So, is it like have they become this this group that is now they're going to do their thing because it's their brand? Yeah, um, I think and this you... is the book where we see that happen because okay. they wear the sandwich boards. Like, think about being twelve, like middle school. That's 11, 12, 13, maybe 14 for the oldest kids. The worst years, right? The worst yes. years. Yeah, the worst. For the worst. being just a pack of rabid hyenas ready to pounce on <laughs> any signal, sign of... Did I have a good time in the early years of secondary school? No, I did not. Did anybody? Did anybody? Probably not, because those are the worst years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and if they're willing to wear a sandwich board in there... 
then Christie's inspired cult-like levels of devotion from them, quite frankly. I think the book kind of, um, because it's through Stacey's POV and she keeps kind of repeating how desperate she is for the Babysitter's Club to not fall apart. Because mm. like this is her mm-hmm. lifeline and this is her only friend since since mm-hmm. she got diabetes and stuff. So like, yeah, she, she is absolutely like fully on board with humiliating yeah. herself in this manner. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, she still definitely yeah. feels it as humiliation. I'd love to know what Claudia really thought of it. Yes. Is there, yeah. And is there a sense as well that like you're you're going to do something that's sort of um, performatively ridiculous in a way that proves that like I'm here and I'm I look like a like like a tool. I look like a tool, but I'm here with three of my best buddies and we're all going to look like tools together. Fuck everyone else. Yeah. And also, please allow us to babysit your children. I mean, <laughs> I think so. And I think um like yeah, very much the yeah, this Stacey was a good person for this story because she is so mm. desperate for the babysitters club. Chrissy wants a babysitter's and she's relatively club new to be as a well. thing because it's her thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stacy wants a babysitter's club to be a thing because it's her only thing. Yes. And also I think <laughs> yeah, twelve is kind of the age at which you start to get a difference between friends and acquaintances. And she's got like as opposed to, oh yeah, the other children, whatever. And she's really noticing that the people she hangs out with in school aren't friends the same way the other kids in the babysitter's club are friends. Even the likes of Christy and Marianne, who she says are babyish. Although Christy's kind of cooler because she sort of likes boys now, apparently. <laughs> and is a terrifying Wall Street maven too. Oh yes. man, I, yeah, Christy's a legend, <laughs> frankly. Um, Christy is a product yeah. of her time. She is very <laughs> extremely so. 80s. I like to think that she went really left in college though. <laughs> God, I really hope so. I mean, the mm. fanfic says, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think Stacey, because Stacey's so like craving this as a social year. Marianne would be fine mm. if the club broke up. Christy would be annoyed because it was her thing, but she'd be mm. fine if the club broke up. Claudia would be fine if the club broke up, and Stacey wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I have a, a note from the start of the book. I didn't actually take very many notes, um, but where uh, Stacey's on the phone to Claudia saying, um, no, she's not on the phone. She's she's saying, um, it was September before I even made any friends. And I was like, you only moved in like August. <laughs> Come on. I like... Do you remember how long three weeks was when you were twelve? Oh well, yeah, exactly. So this is this is the 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 point of it, like where she's like, "Oh, I'm such a loser!" Like you, you're still unpacking boxes. Yeah, I school know. doesn't start for weeks. God love you know? her. This is late November. <laughs> Chill. You and you you have a whole you have both a lunch group and a group of people you see outside of school. Yeah, she's so. got two different friend groups already. Like that's that's pretty good networking. She's doing better <laughs> than some of the kids who grew up there i guarantee you like there's kids who are like wondering what her secret is sure <laughs> for sure there are kids who she's never even looked at who eat lunch alone every day like yes who've lived in Stonybrook their whole lives christy doesn't even know their name nope <laughs> and she doesn't care because she can't exploit them for profit <laughs> exactly <laughs> so the next thing we we do is a, a look at hiring practices so, yeah, this is important stuff that um, all 13-year-old girls need to know about. Yes. Oh, I have so, a note in here that just says capitalism is hard, and I just checked what paragraph <laughs> it's appended to. And it's it could the, be uh, anything. 
Um, it's the one about then on Tuesday the very next day the babysitters agency carried out another step in their scheme to take away our club's business I don't know if that's how they thought of what they were doing but it's how I thought of what they were doing <laughs> at any rate they were big copycats in the first place for starting a club so much like ours and giving it a name so close to ours you didn't invent babysitting I know it's like yeah capitalism is hard yeah they <laughs> they do sound fairly um like derivative I, i'm gonna i'm gonna give stacy that i think i would be a bit annoyed especially if this is like the first sort of um cooperative yeah. <laughs> babysitting collective that has appeared in stony brick before and then something comes up immediately afterwards I, I mean, but like but with older more sophisticated and um, a boy and a boy i mean she's absolutely yeah. right but on the other hand it's like That's, oh my mm. sweet summer child <laughs> this is how it works in the world of business. I'm sorry to break it to you. Yeah, but it's it's I mean, not going to get better from here. Yeah, they see off their first competitor with flying colors because their competitors are incompetent and dangerous, yes! as we we're about to find out. It's very handy. <laughs> so. so yes, so the the mean girls are are recruiting people at school. So Christian just straight up mean girls decide that they have to do the same thing. Um. So one kid decides that three meetings a week is too much of a time commitment, which is entirely fair. It's a very big time commitment. It really is. <laughs> yep. I couldn't um, do it now. Like, I and don't another, have 30 no. minutes three times a week. What the hell? Um, and another girl is appalled that uh, Stacey reads to the kids she babysits rather than just watching TV. Um, mm-hmm. And so Stacey decides she is not right for our club. Uh, which teaches you that you have to be selective. You have to hire good people. Um, mm-hmm. Which Christy does not know because she hires two randos who have defected from the babysitter's agency. Uh, Christy's Christy more not... into the competitiveness than the how should yeah. my business run. Yeah, Christy mm-hmm. has not checked their CVs. She has not checked their references. She has not done any background on these girls. And <laughs> she is hopelessly outclassed by them. <laughs> and she doesn't notice that one of them is chewing gum in a very obvious manner, which is a red flag. I'm sorry. It's like what rule one of, <laughs> rule one of HR management. Like, don't hire somebody who's just popping gum sitting there in the interview room. It's another bad girl signifier. It's it's how we it know is. these girls have like no redeeming features. Like gum. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Claudia's entire room is constructed out of junk food or anything. I think that's established in Greece, the movie. I'm pretty sure that there's like a gum chewing bad girl who yeah. is the model for at least one of these. Like, like gum is different than junk food, though. Only gum, because you spit it out. When you pop gum, mm. that is an act of insolence. <laughs> and you know it. And yes, and Claudia knows to conceal her her junk food habits she doesn't just publicly do them in job interviews she's not sitting there <laughs> stuffing her face with twinkies i would hire someone who had the balls to do that <laughs> i would like their moxie i'm like Maybe that's just hey me. as my like anti-gum thing like the way that my dad who has never in his life been in a position to hire people and never will be um <laughs> ranted during her teenage years that he would never ever hire somebody who had tattoos because if you had tattoos you were obviously stupid because you made the decision to get a tattoo <laughs> is that is that basically where you're coming from like is that is that is that where we're coming from with the gum thing it's I like think gum is maybe the middle during, school equivalent of during tattoos. an interview then no. you're basically just I don't <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. be allowed to continue existing <laughs> yeah these girls are like 
under <laughs> uh, underclass scum, basically. No, I feel like Donald Trump would chew gum in an interview if you had to. If he was ever interviewed for anything in his life, which I doubt, care about the person interviewing enough to not chew gum. Yes. Yeah. Here's an important question: of the three of us here, who of us is capable of blowing a, bu- a bubble with bubble gum? I can. Blow Ooh, bubble. I can do it. I can. Yeah. We can okay, all we all can. Have We're yes. all bad girls. Have you ever done it <laughs> insolently while in conversation with someone? I don't think so, but I really want to now. Yeah, I kind of want to go antagonize someone with gum, but like, I feel like it would really be frowned on in the, in the present climate. Do it to your immediate family. <laughs> on Zoom. Antagonize your, antagonize your preteen daughter. Hmm. <laughs> that would be funny. But, but Aoife, you can't teach Gen them Zen things. Reacts. Come on, Gomer. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just asked for pointers because she's still learning how to blow bubble gum herself. Oh, but then it could be a beautiful, like, bonding experience between the two of you. But I have loads of those already. <laughs> I'm looking to antagonize someone. Okay, I can't help you. Apply for a job and do it during the interview. That's all the advice I've got. No one's yes. interviewing these days because of COVID. It's stupid. <laughs> I could do a Zoom interview, but then I might get gum on the microphone. <laughs> Yeah. It's less effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, as yeah. soon as this is over, you're applying for some jobs you don't want. I'm <laughs> That's all jobs. Bubblegum during the interview. I mean, yeah, <laughs> mood, pick mood, but <laughs> I've lost it, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> this this is because they made you join TikTok last episode. <laughs> So yeah. ba- the bad girls, um, they join the babysitters club, but they're double agents, dun, which again dun, dun. reinforces the CIA theory. <laughs> they yep. they take babysitting jobs and then fail to turn up for them <gasps> to make the babysitters club look bad. I was really kind of outraged. A lot of this so had my properly had my hackles up. I was like, oh my god, I don't remember this. They were they were so. Yeah. Like they were such jerks. I know. I'm so mad. Stacey on behalf calls them of the dirty businesswomen, and like she is not wrong. I like to think that that was actually like Bowdlerized transcription, and she did not call them dirty businesswomen. <laughs> okay, she's from yeah. New York. She's heard swear words. Although I think American kids hear swear words a lot later than us. Yes, I remember damn, reading accounts damn. on Tumblr of Americans being like, "Oh, when I was 11 and first heard the word damn, and I was like, I was too when I first said the word fuck." What? <laughs> I was eating spaghetti. I said fucking worms, and my mother explained to me that that was a word you were not allowed to say, even if Daddy did. <laughs> they wouldn't come onto my spoon, okay? <laughs> That is the most adorable thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, as brilliant. far as swear words go, that's pretty cute. You know, kids swearing. It's a good one. I love it. I think um, my my first swear was when um, the phone rang. Uh, my mum, as is her usual habit, yelled, Ah, oh, fuck off. So um, I toddled over and picked up the phone. <laughs> it was my granny. And I was like, hi, mommy says fuck off. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> she was very prudish she was not someone you swore at oh, or no. in the presence of and she was just like oh she's terrible put, put me on to her now oh no oh no oh that's very sweet though like well it's, it's my tiny granddaughter so i suppose like she doesn't mean it you know i i i've heard it frankly find when a kid swears the really hard part is not laughing 
Yes. Like a oh, tiny yeah. child. Like the hard part is not being like, oh my God, that's so funny. Do it again. Because they will if you react. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a kind of a, there, there's a point up to which it's just hilarious and adorable. Um, and there's a point where it's like, okay, they're teenagers. It's their, it's their birthright. Um, and they also have to kind of get used to using it responsibly. So it, it may as well. But there's a terrifying gap in between when you're like, that swearing eight-year-old. <laughs> I don't know. They might have a knife or something. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely intimidated. <laughs> so, okay, we, we've all agreed that Stacey called these girls dirty bitches. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's where we were. I'm glad you're taking Thank notes, you. Esther, because I have sorry. no idea what's going on. <laughs> I think I've drunk the least out of the three of us, so... Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. So are you wine. saying that I shouldn't get another glass of wine, Esther? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I'm the designated driver <laughs> of this conversation. Go nuts. Thank you. Get more wine. I'm not. Okay, Karen said to you, I'll be back in a sec. All right. <laughs> I presume that a whole bunch of that is going to get cut out. F- fucking worms is definitely staying in, though. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> if I have to keep 10 minutes of lead in for context, it's worth it for that payoff. <laughs> So anyway, Stacy called somebody a dirty cunt. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. See word all over these books, yeah. Alright. So so the bad girls are um piling up bad girl signifiers by <laughs> burning holes in the furniture at Jamie Newton's With house. Yeah. A cigarette. He said cigarette as if it were a dirty word. <laughs> I have a note on that bit going where's my notes gone? I have a note on that cigarette bit going, vindication, these are bad kids. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's legitimately shitty to burn someone's furniture with your cigarette and also cover it up with a cushion. Also, I mean, right now, okay, we are very uh, acclimatized. I don't want to say indoctrinated because I totally agree with this. But like, yes, another stance. Modern smokers don't smoke indoors. Like, they're all pretty used to going outside. Particularly in someone else's Unless house. Unless it's their own home, in which case, like, that's that's your thing. Sometimes like, not yeah. even then. Yeah, no, this was this is definitely something that was much more normal then than it is now, and now seems, like, kind of appalling. <laughs> like, you wouldn't even do that in a house where, like, you were a grown adult who was allowed to smoke. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, like, I mean, I I found it realistic in a hearkening back to being a teen in the 90s way that the cool kids smoked, but I I don't think I think we can all agree it's kind of a dick move to be um, burning holes in the cushions of people who think that you as a minor who's not supposed to be smoking at all are not going to be smoking in their home. And also, you cannot pretend to not have been smoking in someone's house because it is immediately fucking obvious. So I presume the parents were also smokers. There's no way you would get away with that otherwise. Yeah. Also, Jamie says that sometimes the new babysitters talk on the phone even longer than mommy and daddy do. And then he asks Stacy what a boyfriend is. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. So, yes. So, so Jamie has learned of the existence of boyfriends. And this, this situation is obviously intolerable. <laughs> so <laughs> the stakes are just getting higher and higher Was here. There the implication that one of them had her boyfriend over. I think it's just that she... I, because it came right after the phone call thing, I think she was talking to her boyfriend on the phone. Or talking about a boyfriend. But I get the impression that she was talking on the phone, not after Jamie had gone to bed, but like just when she was meant to be actively supervising him. Oh, no, wait, no. Charlotte says that 
Leslie brought her boyfriend over when she was babysitting. Mm. Yeah, that's a bit much, really. Like, yeah, I know I am Karen, and I do want to speak to your manager, but even so, I think that <laughs> inviting people over to someone's house when you're supposed to be kind of minding their children, also when the kids are wandering out on the road. Yes. Well, I mean, there's a lot more to the bad babysitting here than they have their boyfriends over, and they, I mean, like, I'm kind of used to the concept that a teenage babysitter is not going to actively play with and engage with the kids. They are probably going to watch TV and then be like, it's eight o'clock, go to bed. Yes. I'm like, I would not expect more than that from a 13, 14, 15 year old babysitter. They're just there in case the house goes on fire or the kid gets sick. But that's not how the Babysitter's Club rolls. But that's, I'm actually, I'm really glad because I don't know if I'd learned from my babysitters as opposed to from the Babysitter's Club. I might not have been as good a babysitter when I was 16 and finally started babysitting. I'm yes. not kidding. So yes, it is, it is teaching you the difference between a good babysitter and a bad babysitter. And a good babysitter actually like gives a shit about the kids that they're babysitting, mm-hmm. which is Again, useful, useful instruction. I do recall being babysat by the, I presume at the time, teenage son of our neighbours um, who, and this was a very instructional um, experience because I, I think he basically left us to our own devices, but he was playing a computer game back in about 1992. Um, and I, I peered over his shoulder and it was Leisure Suit Larry, which I remember being <laughs> completely fascinated by at the time and much later. <laughs> but at the time I was like, okay, I want to I try playing this game. This is the same um, type of game as the other ones that I like, which are like King's Quest and whatever, um, uh, which are also still excellent classic games. But it was made by the same makers. And I was like, okay, but this is for grown-ups. And I know it's for grown-ups, but I'm going to try it anyway. And I um, I logged in and it actually gives you a quiz at the start to check whether you're a grown-up or not. And me, five-year-old me was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And it, it asked me how many calories were in a can of beer. Um, and that was the question that I fell down on. I actually got the first question right. I don't know what it was, but I got the, the second one wrong. And it was like, you're not an adult at all. This is for over 18s. How dare you try to trick an innocent computer? And I was like, oh, I actually feel so bad. <laughs> and I went away. <laughs> also, like, that's freaking wild because, I mean, like, <laughs> I log what I eat in my fitness pal sometimes. <laughs> and I have no idea how many calories are in any alcoholic beverage. They don't put that on the cans, yes. okay? Yeah, so exactly. How are you meant to know that? Well, I am wildly <laughs> estimating this wine right now. Wildly. Also, thank goodness you didn't get in because that game really is oh, very inappropriate. It's very filthy, yeah. So yeah, because um, at the age of about 20, I was like, oh yeah, I can totally just go and play Leisure Suit Larry, which is very retro at this point. And I discovered <laughs> that you as an adult can just totally skip that intro. You don't have to do the quiz. You don't have to <laughs> prove that you're an adult. I just didn't know this when I was five. <laughs> the that end. The worked. <laughs> you were not big enough to play it. Ergo, you were not successful at playing it. Ah, it would have all gone over my head anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing anecdote. I'm so sorry that all of this is going to be cut out by poor Esther as she suffers through listening to this bullshit later. She can I have an outtakes it. reel if anybody ever listens to this. Thing. <laughs> yes. Some of these are quality stories. No, definitely. I, I told Karen that um the fucking worm story is not wasting it. <laughs> yes! I mean, I don't know if that's staying in, but if it is staying in, I did just throw horns at the Zoom card. <laughs> she Definitely. did. They were very impressive <laughs> <Yes>. horns. <laughs> Should we, like, try and wrap this up? All right. Because <laughs> we're terrible. just increasingly okay. drunk. <laughs> We've only just sort of managed to summarize the plot. Anyway, okay, what happens is basically they uh, find out 
it starts coming out that the kids they're babysitting for are unhappy with their new babysitters. Their new babysitters don't talk to they're them. They're borderline they traumatised. Watch TV. Yeah, apparently this has serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that's how it is with babysitters, guys. Hope. <laughs> but, you know. These kids are used to a better standard. Yeah. They are, actually. That's fair. The Babysitters and Club they- has set the bar really high in this town. <laughs> And um, they were quite upset by the, the new babysitters not wanting to spend time with them, not playing with them, just kind of sending them out. Anyway, it comes to a head when the girls leave school one day. I think it might be the sandwich board day, but I'm not sure. And um, they see Jamie Newton, who is three and a half, standing outside on like the strip of grass on the path outside his home. And they're like, he's three and a half. He's going to get hit by a car or... And also, it's like snowing. And it's snowing, and he has a coat on, presumably, because they don't say he doesn't, but he doesn't have, like, a hat or gloves or anything. And there's, like, three inches of snow on the ground, and they're like, oh no, what do we do? Because they're trying to decide, um, is it going to look like we're just bad-mouthing the opposition if we tell someone about this? But it's obviously bad. So they tell Jamie to, like, again, this is a roadmap. They rescue him, yes. Reactions (laughs) to the situation. They tell Jamie to go inside and get his hat and mittens and ask the babysitter for help. And that if he wants to play outside, he needs to play in his back garden on the swing set and not to be out in the road. It's like, like 10 out of 10, nice response. Uh, probably you should have made sure that he did that. But yeah, okay, you're 12. Um, and then they, they kind of debate with each other. Like, should we tell his parents? If I knew where they were, we could call them. We don't know where they are. What should we do? And they each speak to responsible grownups because the recurring theme is that responsible grown-ups will give you good advice will guide you to what you need to do and they separately speak to responsible grown-ups and the responsible grown-ups say as Stacey's mum is one of them <laughs> Stacey's mum and <laughs> Stacey's mum is one of them I can't remember who the other one is and um, Christy's Mimi. mom Claudia talks to Mimi and Christy's mom they all say you, yes you should tell the parents this is serious Stacey's mom is like Stacey tries to say vague about it and her mother is like is this about child abuse? And Stacey's like, yeah. ah, no, <laughs> no. Um, which fair. I'm glad that they at least acknowledge that. Yeah, which passed me by at the time. I didn't think there was yeah. a single mention of child abuse in the Babysitter's Club, but yeah, no, there right is. There. Mm-hmm. One brief, like, is this about child abuse? We won't say what we mean by that, mm-hmm. but that's... that's. But 13-year-olds know, yeah. Yeah, 12 to... And then they do tell uh, Dr. Johansson that, listen, this happened. Jamie was out in the sidewalk. And Dr. Johansson basically goes... I understand. I am going to be bad-mouthing this agency to every other parent I know in town. I love Dr. Johansson Small so Town much. Gossip Network is go. Yeah, Dr. Johansson <laughs> yeah. is just, like, amazing this whole episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, in this case, it's basically Small Town Gossip Network go. And all of the concerned parents talk to each other. And, and then the agency goes out of business. And then the mean girls become makeover consultants. Which they're better... S- suited to they charge five dollars for a makeover consultancy and an additional five for them to be personal shopper team at the stony brook mall they they switch to a job where they're not in a position of responsibility over small children which <laughs> yes. just over other people's makeup which sounds better <laughs> for them frankly i don't yeah. know there's a lot of scope for harm if you if you screw that up <laughs> in a middle school environment <laughs> that's fair at least it can be easily removed Lasting psychological damage, though. <laughs> the worst years, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah the- I remember um, coming out of the changing rooms uh, for PE and um, two of the, um, the, the 
popular kids, TM, from my class coming out and one of them going, oh my God, I've made such a mistake. I'm wearing black trousers and a navy shirt. And the other one was like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. Hey, let's go back in and we can swap tops so that we're, you know, so that we're appropriately coordinated. And I was like, is wearing black and navy a problem now? Is this a thing I need to worry about? Does anybody give a shit about this? What? I thought you could just wear anything with black. I remember that being a thing. I had such anxiety over accidentally wearing black and navy. And I remember like in fifth year, like a group of us were talking about someone and someone went, yeah, do you remember that day in third year when she wore black and navy? Like, I like yeah, the implication was that like nothing, nothing this girl did could be trusted because she'd, she'd shown such terrible judgment. I love it. I mean, I think my mother had a real thing about matching colours and not not like she was not a real appearance obsessed person. She was a little bit what will the neighbours think obsessed person in that I remember yelling from the house across the road, Mommy, what's for dinner? And be like, I'm not shouting that for the whole neighbourhood to hear. But that was because it was like fish fingers. She didn't want to be like, she was like very aware that she was not living up to the sort of housewife stereotype. I mean, she had a full-time job. So why just, yeah, yeah. She was, I think she was more thinking of nourishing casserole with vegetables in as opposed to tinned peas and fish fingers. Um, but you know, then again, she had a full-time job. So why should she? But, um, if only my children would eat fish fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no shame in a fish finger. Should we um, wrap up the episode and then get into, like, no, I'm I'm actually, like, I'm enjoying the chat. Like <laughs> Me too. I just wanted to talk to you, to be honest. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> That's totally fair. It's, it's like a really fun conversation that involves, like, eight hours of labor for Esther afterwards. <laughs> it's fine. I don't have a job anyway. Okay. All right. I will just say... The outfits and this are disappointing. They're so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Despite Stacy being the, like, she's meant to be into fashion. Yeah. She she puts a dinosaur badge on her beret. That is not countercultural. No. Um, she does say that her parents are cool because they let her wear leg warmers covered with footprints. <laughs> Which... I, that's, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. There, there's a real happysocks.com vibe to a lot of the like <laughs> leg and footwear in these. I bought 50 euro worth of socks from happysocks.com a couple of years ago. And then like a week later, I went to MCM Comic Con in London because the Critical Role people were there and I'm a nerd. And my card wouldn't work at any of the vendors that were doing it like an online purchase. Because <gasps> of the socks? Because you blew all your money on socks. <laughs> My bank had seen 50 euro on socks and been like, that can't be real. And marked it as fraudulent. Which just goes to that my bank don't know who I am as a person. <laughs> but like, that's only like four pairs of socks at some places. Yeah. It was like six because some of them were on sale. They're expensive, but they're really nice yeah, socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them has owls on them. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of thing that Claudia would wear. Um, yes. Or maybe does, even Stacey. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a couple of leg warmer mentions and Stacy says that one of the bad girls has a sweatshirt that she would have died for. Ah. Which does tie into last week's whole sweatshirts are a cromulent thing to wear to a disco baffling mm. development. <laughs> um, but overall, it's very fashion light and I'm disappointed in it in that regard. Mm. I mean, there was so much business advice and also, um, yeah, life skills that there just wasn't room for fashion. There just wasn't time for fashion. This was more about capitalism than fashion, I think. And and diabetes. Capitalism and diabetes. 
the things every preteen girl needs to know about really so so yeah um life lessons this was actually like swarming with life lessons Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it really was western medicine is great um don't (laughs) let your parents drag you to scam doctors Girls who hang out at the mall are bad. <laughs> Rather than, in terms of the good, um, absolutely, that was the lesson there for the girls who hang out at the mall are bad and dangerous. But in terms of the don't let your parents drag you to scam doctors at Western Medicine, I think it was more like you should have a say in what mm, happens mm-hmm. to you medically. Yes. Like, and I think it makes it very clear your parents will not always agree with you, and sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. And if a doctor seems to you to be full of shit, it might be because they are full of shit. You should talk to another doctor to find out if that's true. Don't let people gaslight you. Yeah, that is some solid feckin' like 21st century skepticism messaging there. It's extremely good. Yeah, for all that Stacey is the business person, or not Stacey, Christie, sorry, is the business person in this. Like, yeah, Stacey is... Definitely of all of the three books so far, they're all very, none of them are not likable. None of them are not relatable, right? Because they're 12 and they're very realistically 12 in a way that you can just feel even as they're doing stupid things. You're like, oh my God. But the thing is, I think Stacey's not doing stupid things. No, she's like, very she's making, Yeah, quite good decisions, she is, really, yeah. And I mean, Christy's not doing... Well, Christy is actually doing stupid things. She's baiting Watson because she feels <laughs> bad about stuff, which is freely understandable, yeah, yeah. but, like, also, like... Unhelpful. Self-sabotaging. It's unhelpful. It's not a productive way of dealing with the situation. In the second book, Claudia, and this is the whole thing where they imagine that there's the 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 the, the, the dude is in the houses. Mm. Like it's like they're all let their imagine they're all let their imaginations run away yep. with them, but it's about like not doing that and how that is unhelpful. It's not a good way to deal with a scary situation. What you need to do is tell the cops. Mm-hmm. And then this third one, like Stacy doesn't put a foot wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, that's true. She just sits there, thinks logically through through the situations. Has been more sensible than her parents. She goes, looks for help from a qualified medical professional when her parents are going to a, like. Man, she's just handling this so well, and I'm full of an admiration for her that I don't have for the others. Not because there's anything wrong with the others, but because she's going way above and beyond what a 12-year-old needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, props to Stacey. Yeah, props yes, to Stacey. Props to Stacey. Mm-hmm. I think that's our sign-off this week. <laughs> In conclusion, props to Stacey. Props to Stacey. <laughs> You can write cool scenes of kids sitting around eating piles of chocolate chip cookies and Nutella. Because that's what I did as a teenager, damn it. And it was good enough for us. Oh no, I've drunk two litres of Coke and now I'm really hyper. (laughs) Okay, that's what I was like as a 16 year old. Why can't everyone? I'm quite drunk, guys. I've had two and a half glasses of wine so far. I'm this. Is, I'm a lightweight, okay? And I'm sorry, but we're never talking about the Babysitter's Club. This is just Eva rambling time. I'm sorry.